This is a Project Sisterhood podcast, a podcast for all things women. We talk women's empowerment, leadership, and influence. From lighthearted and laughable to honest, deep matters of the heart, your soul will be encouraged. We hope you and all women of every age and every stage find life and freedom today. Excited for you also to hear from our guest speaker for this evening. She is like family to this church. And many of you came because you know her, you've read her book, you've been in ministry with her. She's no stranger to Sacramento. She is someone who loves Sacramento and loves women hard and loves women well. She's a great friend of mine. Her name is Caitlin Zick. And... Before I introduce her, I, I want you to understand that I really think that, oh, I mean, before she comes on stage, did I make mess you up? That's okay. Come on. Look at this beautiful woman. Listen, I feel like it's very significant that this woman has come to speak today. She was a part of the very first fashioned um, here in Sacramento. Uh, man, <laughs> she, she remembered that, you know. She was on cue. Great job. But I just want you to know that she has championed women, and she has championed them well, and she has been so supportive to me, my husband, this church, and all women, in the, a lot of women in this room. And so I understand that your impact has ripples, and that it's not just here in Sacramento, but it's going out to the nations, and it's going out globally. And I know that God has purposed you for exactly what you're doing right now. I truly believe it, and that's, the only, that's why I invited you. It's not because you have this cool book, but make sure you get it. It's not because you have a cool message. She has got to have a great message. But it's because I believe that you are living out the purposes that God has called you to walk out. And when I see women who are strong and full of faith but yet take risks and step out, I, I say, man, those, those are the kind of women that I want to speak into the lives of the women in our church, Project Church. And so would you please, women, give a great, grand, huge, big welcome to my friend, Caitlin Zick. Wow. I have to talk about Chrissy. <laughs> I know you're maybe not supposed to, but we are going to break some rules tonight, so buckle up. <laughs> um, but Chrissy actually invited me. Actually, we ended up at my kitchen table by her invitation. So somehow she probably thought, I don't want to clean my house. I'll just come to yours. <laughs> but that was the first, like, kind of like, have you ever done a blind date with a woman? Like, where you're like, hey, like, I think I'd really like her. Like, I think we'd be friends, but it feels like kind of weird. Maybe you, like, met on Instagram, and then you're like, I think we'd be real life friends. Like, want to go to coffee? It was kind of like that. It was like this, like, I think we'd be connected. And I'll never forget the moment at our kitchen table where we just connected for the first time. And she has built and pioneered something that feels like my honor and privilege to have been here from day one and been able to sit in the crowd and bring some of the ladies that I know are even here tonight um, that have been sewing and building what is happening here in Sacramento and with you women. And it's just such a beautiful thing. I'm so thankful that we were here for 13 years, and so Sacramento does feel like home. Um, and so to be able to come back and see what the Lord is doing in your church and in your body is just an honor and gift to me. Um, so we, uh, when I say we, there's a whole tribe of us. We're known as the Zik Zoo. Um, this is my crew up here. We, um, 
had three boys. I thought I was going to be like only boy mom, but I got my dream girl. Um, kind of like we, we actually have an arranged marriage too in Chrissy and Caleb's family. So my third boy, Cade, we're like, Charlie, wait for him. Wait for him. <laughs> but we have Caleb, Connor, Cade, and Chloe, our little dream girl. And we call ourselves a Zik Zoo because it smells bad at many times boys are still learning how to aim. Um, <laughs> it's loud, and you never know what you're going to see or get, so it's kind of like a zoo. <laughs> but that's my crew. We just moved to Reading about two, uh, almost two years ago to lead Moral Revolution and join uh, the leadership at Bethel Church, and so we do. We get to travel the nations talking about healthy sexuality with Moral Revolution. So that's a little bit about me, and then the book, if you've read it, awesome. I've been hearing testimonies all week, and I'm just like, my heart is melting um, even just talking to Natalie about what she's doing, like the biggest reward is seeing what God does in it. Like I literally feel zero ownership over it because I'm just like, Lord, this is you. Like I was obedient. People are like, is it doing as well as you expected? I'm like, I had no expectation except finish the book. <laughs> like once I did that, I'm like, I'm obedient. I'm done. Thank you, Lord. And then we'll see what happens. <laughs> so it's been so cool hearing testimonies and stories of young girls to older women going through it and what the Lord's doing. And it. it just feels like I get to watch and have a front row seat to what he's doing. Um, but uh, speaking of my daughter, Chloe, because I was actually watching Charlie Worship too this morning, and I was like, oh my gosh, right, right? But we call her sassy. So I have to tell you a couple of Chloe stories because we're at a women's conference, and we're talking about fashion to belong. And when I think about my little girl, and I watch char little Charlie up here in the front row worshiping with like, you know, complete reckless abandon of just like, you can just see in their eyes when they're just, you know, in love with the Lord and in awe and wonder of what he, who he is and what he's doing. And so that's kind of how I see my little Chloe too. And she's also very confident and has no doubt that she belongs in every room she walks into. And so um, anybody, I mean, I'm, I think almost all of us are familiar with Costco, like Costco. I feel like I live there now when you have a family of six. But at Costco, if you're not familiar, when you check out, you have to put your cart on the other side from where you go. So when you're a mom of littles, you might have littles who are like, no, mommy, like, don't leave me. Um, that was some of my boys. And then some of my boys would take the little, like, divider stick, and they'd, like, swords with it. And the Costco worker would be like, geez, lady, like, get a hold of your kids. Well, Chloe, the other day, when I pushed her over there, she has no, she's like, see ya, mom. And she's like, hi, I'm Chloe Rosie. I'm three, and I'm sassy. <laughs> Like, the Costco workers are getting to know us. <laughs> um, but I love that confidence, right? Like, she knows who she is. She's fearless. She'll look somebody in the eye and make eye contact and announce who she is because she has confidence. And then the other thing I loved and I've actually learned from my little three-year-old girl is no matter where we go, and I mean, this just happened at my son's baseball game the other day. It happens in the store when we're walking in Trader Joe's, and now she's pushing the little carts. She wants to go shopping with the little carts. And everywhere we go without fail, if she sees another little girl, she goes, look, mom, my friend's here. <laughs> sometimes the girls play. Sometimes they're like, oh, mom, help me. Who's this little girl coming after me? But isn't that beautiful that at a young age, she sees another girl and she thinks that's my friend. What happens to us? In between that three-year-old little girl and our 33 girl with clacking heels that thinks, Oh, where'd that, like, innocence of, like, that's my sister. When we're in the bathroom standing next to each other, it's not like, oh, I wish my hair looked like that, or I wish I had her thigh gap, or whatever we're thinking. <laughs> we're like, that's my sister. I want to celebrate her, and I want to be one with her. I want to be unified with her. 
especially in church. Like, I remember I used to get convicted. I'd be waiting. Um, I, we were at Capitol Christian for 13 years, and I'd be waiting in the cafe line on Sunday. And partially was because I'm like, I just got rid of my kids. Nobody talked to me. I need a break. <laughs> But then the other part of me, I'd, like, be strolling my phone at the cafe. I'm like, wait, these are my, like, sisters around me. I need to talk to people. Because sometimes our faces are so stuck in our phones, we don't know what's going on in our hearts and the lives of the sisters around us. And so we need to look up and make eye contact and be like this little three-year-old who we can learn from to say, that's my friend right there. And I just love that we're raising and hopefully if some of us, it's almost like being born again into the body of believers where we... We were born again, and I think of being on fire, right, like on fire for the Lord. And my little girl, this song that she always sings is, this girl is on fire. <laughs> but she doesn't sing it like that. She shouts it. I just think I would hurt all of your ears if I shouted it the way she does. And when we go to the airport, sometimes she, like, literally just makes a stage where she just starts shouting it, and everybody's like, whose child is this? But again, just that young, like, man, I want to be on fire and fearless and see my girls and know those are my friends and those are my sisters and I belong. So tonight we're going to wrap up. I, I did tell Chrissy, I'm like, Chrissy, everybody's going to be crying, including myself, and then I have to close it. Like, thanks a lot. <laughs> but during worship, I don't know about you, but I just went to another place. Like, I think I just, like, went to heaven for a little bit, came back. I told my friend Debbie, I'm like, I just came back. Hi. <laughs> Because something, like, the Lord is stirring something so strong in the room tonight about breaking shame. And even when we go back to what Jen said when she introduced Project Rescue of just, there is no room for shame. And so that's what we're going to go after tonight. And um, if you're a note taker, I'm a note taker because I only remember if I take notes or else I'm like, what just happened? I don't know. Um, but if you're a note taker, the name of the message would be that kind of woman. I want to be that kind of woman. And we're going to be talking through John 4. But first, um, before we go there, I just could not talk about belonging tonight without going to 1 Corinthians 12. Where it talks about the body and the spiritual gifts that we've been born in. And I'm going to read from the message. If you don't have message, I say don't follow along. <laughs> don't you hate when you like read another translation? You're like, where are you? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> So I'm going to read a little bit from 1 Corinthians 12 because this book, this chapter is a gift about who we are and how we belong. Because the thing is, is we have to know that we belong before we're going to behave a certain way or believe a certain way. Right? Like we need to have our souls transformed before our behavior is modified. Like I want to be changed from the inside out. I don't want to start acting a certain way so I look like I belong. I want to believe so that I can. <laughs> I want to I know that my inside, not, I don't have to primp and like, it's kind of like the idea of like looking, I love that we don't, we, we can wear holy jeans to church and it's not like this pretentious like, you know, country club show. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to get beautiful from the inside out. I'm going to look in the eyes of Jesus and find out who I am and who he says I am. And then I will see clearly that I belong. And the other thing is that we know what, another like thing that keeps us from belonging is comparison, right? Because we're like, well, if they belong and they look like that, I don't look like that, so maybe I don't belong. Or I don't believe like that, or I don't be behave like that. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Or maybe my part's not as important as theirs. But that's what I love how the, the book in 1 Corinthians 12 breaks it down. It says, each person is giving something to do that shows who God is. You have a gift you have been given something to do that shows who God is that's like nobody else. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. 
And it literally says, all kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. And it lists off, this is just talking about the spiritual gifts, wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. I mean, the list goes on about what we have in the Lord. And you don't have to have what your sister next to you has. You can celebrate what she has and celebrate what the Lord has given you. Because each of us has been given something to do that shows who God is. And then it says, he decides who gets what and when. (laughs) So stop having your little hissy fit, cancel your pity party, and be like, Lord, I'm going to take what you give me when you give it to me. Because I want to live on your timing, not mine. And then when you keep reading about the body, it says the old labels we used to identify ourselves with, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger and more comprehensive. The old labels are gone. We get to be the daughters and sons of, I loved what Caleb shared, it's sons and daughters. The future is male and female. We are not the same without them. We could go there, but we won't right now. (laughs) And then it says, it's all different, but similar parts arranged and functioning together. And then this is one of my favorite lines. It says, for no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you're a part of. Right? When you think about the body functioning, I'm like, oh, I don't want to have, like, full-bodied hair, but my stomach not work. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, I don't really care. I could, like, this could go if I don't, like, work on the inside. Like, if my heart's not beating, I don't care what my nails look like today. But a lot of times we're searching and striving to have the more important parts, the more seen parts. And literally the word breaks it down and says no part is important on its own. Can you imagine your eye telling your hand, get lost, I don't need you? Without an eye, but like it says, oh, this is the best part. The lower, as a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. Because the lower the part, the more basic and therefore more necessary which for the younger people in the room, you know how we always say, like, basic, that's so basic. It's like, so basic, that's so necessary. Like, I'm, gl- I'm great with being basic if I'm a part of the body and I'm doing what God's given me to do, to belong and to believe and to behave as the body of Christ. And how beautiful that all of us can be grafted in. The seen parts, the hidden parts, we all have a role and we need each other. We are not important on our own, but it's united as the body of Christ. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. Isn't that beautiful as we hear LaShawn's story? Some of you might have been the first time you met her. You're like, I feel the hurt. I feel the healing. I get to experience and see the redemption of God. And these moments that mark us when somebody gets to own their story and then we get to see our story weaved in and be like, that's a part of the body. Like that's a part of who I am. And I get to see that and experience that and be a part of it because we are one. We belong. We're born into the body of Christ when we receive him. And then it says if one part flourishes, every other part enters into this exuberance. I'm like, yes and amen. I will take that. So that kind of woman, we're going to jump to John 4. Again, if you don't have the message version, you don't have to go there if you don't want. But we're talking about the woman at the well. 
And the reason it's called that kind of woman is because in John 4, so I'm going to actually just paraphrase it instead of read it. So if, and some of you might be familiar and some of you won't. So I'm going to go through to the beginning. So here's Jesus. He needs water. He needs food. His disciples leave to go get lunch and he's sitting at a well to get a drink of water. And the woman that was there that had traveled a ways to get water from the well was a Samaritan and Jews did not talk to them. So literally when the disciples end up coming at like seeing Jesus talking, it says in the message paraphrase, they couldn't believe Jesus was talking to that kind of woman. And I love that because it, from the very beginning it shows that it doesn't matter who we are that we can all be grafted in and belong. That Jesus never disqualifies us or judges us from the outside, but that he has made conversation, relationship, and a way for all of us. All of us to belong. So it says, Jesus realized the Pharisees were coming. Oh, I'm going to not do that or we'll be here all night and I've got a short time clock. <laughs> so he came, a woman, and he said, the, he came to draw water and Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food. The Samaritan woman was taken aback, like, whoa, why is he talking to me? She said, how come you are a Jew and you're asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Because Jews would not be caught dead talking to Samaritans in those days. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh and living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and the well is deep, so how are you going to get this living water? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again, but anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within gushing fountains of endless life. The woman says, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. I won't ever have to come back to this well again. And he said, go, call your husband and then come back. She said, I have no husband. He said, well, that's nicely put. I have no husband because you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. I even heard somebody in the crowd when we said that go, ooh, like Jesus got her. <laughs> I can relate to the woman at the well because my list of men was long. And the enemy in the moments where we are fully seen by God, by the Savior of the world, when we are fully known by him and fully loved, he would love nothing else but to come in and say, oh, you should feel shamed. Like, ooh, he got you. Go run and hide because nobody will understand. And as I was preparing for this weekend, I felt like the Lord showed me that the thing that keeps us so often from belonging is the shame of if they really knew. If they really knew me. If I really let this show. If I really embrace this part of my journey and story that I don't even want to embrace because it's too hard to think about and to touch. I'm taking this to the grave with me. Nobody will know. It's those moments, it's those things that the enemy loves to slide in to the DMs of our mind and be like, oh no, no, that's when you feel shame and you run and hide, you isolate. Because the thing about the beauty of belonging to a body, he knows the power that is there. He knows the power that's in the body functioning healthy and full and well and saying, that's my arm, that's my eye, that's my friend, that's my friend. Hey girl, I'm with you. I'm in your hurt, I'm in your healing. 
He knows the power that's there. And so, of course, he wants to come in and think, how can I divide? Right? How can I divide? How can I separate? How can I get that daughter of God alone so she doesn't even know who she is? So here's the woman at the well who doesn't know who she is because when you have a list of five plus men, you don't know who you are. You're getting in all of those beds trying to figure it out. A piece of my story is that I was the typical teenage girl. I, di- I, didn't, I wasn't raised in a Christian home that like helped me know what the Lord was and who he was and what he really was about. So what raised me is music and movies and everything I saw. I believed popularity was power. I believed going to parties made me popular, therefore I was powerful. So here I am, an eighth grade girl. I have the hot boyfriend and I think I am like living life. Like I'm the movie star in my own movie. <laughs> I go to freshman year in high school. We're still together. Everybody said we couldn't and we did. And then I find out he cheated on me at a football game with a cheerleader. And he said, imagine yourself at 14. Remember that's like end of the world crashing. And he said to me like, will you stay with me? Cause he got caught and what made my decision, which I fully believe the Lord has let me see this now so that we can understand the gravity of how we're being trained by what we're entertained by. Because in that moment, guess what made my decision? A Nike commercial. <laughs> like what? If you're old enough, you'll know this Nike commercial. It was Michael Jordan and Mia Hamm. If you're not old enough, she was like the baller, like soccer star for females. So in my day, it was like she was the epitome of a powerful woman. So this Nike commercial is Michael Jordan and Mia Hamm taunting each other on the soccer field, on the basketball court, and the song is playing, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. So I remember thinking, sure, I'll stay with you. I'll just do it better. Because that was my picture of power. I thought, oh, if I'm going to be powerful, that's what I do. So that's when my list started. No joke, I literally had a list of guys I had been with. Because I remember this silver spiral notebook that my freshman year of high school, my friends and I had hidden in this certain place. It kind of reminds me of the burn book. Any mean girls? Yeah, there's the laughs. You know if you know. It had this little spot in my room where we put the silver spiral notebook, and every girl had their own page. And on their page, you listed the names you of the guys you had been with, kissed, lost it to, and naked with, whatever the story was. And it was as if the longer the list, the more loved you were. Because we equated being wanted by guys to being worthy of love. And so when I think of this woman at the well and the long list of men she'd been with, I think that was me. Thinking, I don't know who I am. I don't know that I could be fully seen, fully known, and fully loved. That I could be grafted in me a Samaritan? I don't belong. Because I don't behave like that because I don't believe yet. So the idea of thinking Jesus sees this woman at the well and sees that she belongs before she believes and behaves. (laughs) And you know who that was for me? It was Kara. It was a girl in my Spanish class who would constantly invite me to church. And when we go to youth groups, I always tell people, I'm like, maybe you, you, you don't relate to me, the party girl that was hooking up with all the guys, but maybe you're the Kara who needs to see me the way God does. Because when Kara would invite me to church, I'm like, does she know I don't belong there? (laughs) Clearly, you know what I do on the weekends and how I dress. (laughs) But she never gave up. She always persisted and always invited me. I still never went. (laughs) I actually got dragged there 
by a mom that I was at their house and she said, if you're at our house right now, you're going to church. <laughs> so I'm all for dragging kids to church, do it, it'll work. <laughs> but that night when I walked into that youth group, I heard for the first time in my life that Jesus wanted a relationship with me, that God had a plan for my life. And it planted a seed in me that thought, man, I wanna know more about this. Is Could this be true? Could this be real? And so that seed planted made me think, oh, I think I have like that cousin that is Christian that I thought was crazy because she would send me newsboy CDs for Christmas. And I'm like, who are the newsboys? <laughs> she had audio adrenaline posters on her wall. I'm like, girl, you don't know what's up. <laughs> but she lived a couple hours away in another city in Florida and she would invite me to these summer camps, but I had the seed planted. And so maybe some of you in this room are the seed planters the waterers, or you're like, man, I'm just at those beginning stages of figuring out if I can believe and belong and behave. But so I went to that summer camp and guess what the best part was is my reputation couldn't follow me. So I got to go to this summer camp and I got to experience the presence of God for the first time. When I saw people's hands raised, I remember writing in my journal, I don't know what this is, but I want it. And yeah, I was still looking at the boys on the volleyball court. And I mean, I was a mess. If you look at my journal, I had like collaged magazine clips and it was like, hot guys, summer. <laughs> like... <laughs> but they made a place for me to belong. And one night at summer camp, there was a man named Chris Hill on stage. I didn't know who he was, but I could tell that what he was doing was real. And he was prophesying over people, which literally I can look back in my journal and I'm like, I don't know how to spell this word because I don't know what it means. <laughs> but I said, whatever is happening is real. Because there was this big jock guy that I probably had my eye on during the week <laughs> who got called out of the crowd of 800 people. And he's bawling his eyes out because this man is hearing from heaven and like telling him all the things that God would say. And so I'm standing at the front because I'm like, whatever this is, God, if you're real, I need it. And so I prayed this prayer in my head where I said, God, if you're real, then have that man call me up there. And I promise I will give up my amazing life. <laughs> and he said, girl in the black V-neck shirt right there. And he called me up and I heard from heaven because that was my well moment. That's when I was fully seen and fully known and fully loved. Everything he said, which isn't about the man, is about heaven. I'm like, how beautiful that God can do that and speak through a human vessel just like he can through all of us because we're just parts of the body that belong. If we walk confidently like my little three-year-old Chloe who will say, I do belong and so do you and I'm gonna tell you something because you're my friend. So whether you're telling somebody something at the grocery store or giving them a smile or helping them feel seen or you're somebody who might stand on a platform one day and call somebody out of a crowd, but maybe it's just your sister who's broken or your friend who you didn't want to call because it's too messy, but we all are a part of the body that can see people. If we look up and we say, I, I have to know I belong so that they know they belong. And not only does the enemy want to rob us by bringing this shame, but he takes our confidence and he says it comes from the world instead of the word, and then we crumble. Because if I don't have as many followers as her, I can't speak to her life. It's like this value system that we think, oh, you have 22 followers, I have 22,000, so like you're more valuable. Really? That's another thing we'll say for another day. But I had this moment where everything changed. 
The theme of that summer camp was no looking back, no going back, no way, and I didn't. This girl who was almost kicked out of her Catholic school for all the drunken moments and backseat moments that my priest found out about came back from that summer camp, and I was bringing carloads to the youth group. I started freshman retreat, lived Jesus retreat. I was telling everybody, I'm like the elf guy, like, I'm in love, I'm in love, I don't care who knows it. It's unbelievable. Like, I literally was like, three strikes, you're out, and my third strike I just lied about because I was on pills and I slept through the party. And then I come back and I am leading people to church and telling people about Jesus and leading my pothead friend in his car to know the Lord, and now he's a pastor. I don't tell this, please, no, it's not about me. It's the beautiful power of the cross and of the same blood that we all get to bleed because we're in the family of Christ no reputation is beyond redemption but we have to own our stories Revelation 12 11 says they overcame him the stupid liar that we keep kind of talking about They overcame him by the power of the blood and the word of their testimony. But so often we don't want to share our testimony. We don't want to embrace what the Lord has done or it's not healed yet because we haven't even let him. And that shame that he would love to creep in, because think about that moment again at the well where you're like, oh, he just called her out. No, 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 he just loved her because he saw her. And when you read, guess what her understanding was I am fully known she couldn't believe it she went to her town and said come see the man that fully knows me inside and out come see for yourselves this woman this Samaritan who was with her sixth man is now the first evangelist who's running and telling the whole town about this Jesus who fully sees us and fully knows us and fully loves us he uses everything So we cannot let shame come in in that moment and steal what the Lord has intended to call us up and out and into his family. So here's the thing I want to share with you because there was a a chance that shame could have stopped me. So here I am, picture me now, junior in high school, senior in high school, leading all this ministry, telling everybody about the Lord. And I had this moment that could have had me fallen flat on my face. I had a good guy friend who was like, hey, I need to show you something. And he walks me into the boys' bathroom stall. He called in to make sure nobody was in there. It was at a school dance at night. And he shows me this thing on the bathroom stall. And it was my name written with this derogatory term that wasn't even true, scribbled on the boys' bathroom stall. And in that moment, I just felt so much shame. It was like my world was just shattered. I'm thinking, that's like, I thought I was this. Now I think I'm this. But is this my identity? Like, boys are peeing and looking at my name engraved on the stall with, I'll save the story. It was just shattering. It was heartbreaking. And to be totally honest, it was something that I didn't deal with right away because I was so full of shame but I tucked it away because that's what we do sometimes, right? We just tuck it away because it's too messy to deal with. It's too much. I kind of liken it to when like I'm cleaning the house because somebody's coming over in 20 minutes and my husband forgot to tell me and you push everything in that one closet because like nobody will go there. It's kind of like, I don't want to go there. 
nobody will see that crap. It's the stuff you'll deal with later. It's kind of like, oh, that thing that happened to me, I'm going to deal with that later or never. Until the Lord so sweetly in his kindness spoke to me about it years later. Because he doesn't want to expose us or hurt us. He's so kind and gentle. Just like he spoke to that woman of loving her and knowing her and seeing her. He spoke to me one day, and it was actually in a setting really similar to this. It was actually at my city conference here in Sacramento, and I'm leading ministry, and the Lord drops this painful thing. (laughs) I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? Why now? But it was the most beautiful thing he spoke to me that I was able to speak out then, and I'll repeat it today. He said, your name was engraved on the boy's bathroom stall, but now it's engraved on my hands. It doesn't matter how shameful your thing feels. What the enemy wants to keep in the darkness, just let the light in. I promise it's not as scary as it feels. It's not. He's so sweet and gentle. He's going to look at your eyes and speak something profoundly loving to you that's what happens right those closets that we just think nobody will ever have to know or see it or I don't have to deal with it it's worth the work when we own our stories it brings God glory we have to learn how to own it because here's the thing a lot of times the things that have been your survival guide your, your story of pioneering the thing that you've had to walk through can be the survival guide you hand off to the next generation. Because we want to create a culture of belonging. But if we're also stuck in our shame, we don't know how to invite others to the table because we're still stuck. We're like, I don't know how to let you in. I'm still stuck in this dark place. And I wanted to say this thing about the darkness is that Like I said, how it gets bigger, right? Like this little moment that happened to me that could have been dissolved in a moment if I let the Lord into it. By keeping it in the darkness, it's like the devil's playground. I'm very familiar with playgrounds because of all my children. (laughs) So I think about the swings, right? Like I'm pushing them on the swings. It's like the enemy is just swinging you into silence. Like, oh, just don't tell anybody. It, It won't be worth it. They won't understand. Just sit with it or pushing you down the slide of depression where just that spiraling thoughts just keep going and going. Or convincing you that that rock wall that is like two feet tall, but convincing you, you can't climb that. There's no hope for you. There's hope for everybody else. There's no hope for you. That's what he does in the darkness because it's like this button he can keep pushing. My moments that I had in these back seats with the list of guys that took me years of counseling because I I had to learn to confess and create a culture of confession in my life where shame could not win. But the second I brought it into the light, it lost all of its power. All of it was gone. My story, my moment, it's, I got three minutes, okay. It's in the book, but um, my moment and my thing was, I have to confess, it was 1 a.m. I called my mentor at the time and I'm like, can you, this is before texting and FaceTime, so I had to call, remember those days? And she, called, she answered and she let me in. And we sit on her burgundy couch at 1 a.m. And I tell her everything I did with a guy, every moment, things that like rolling off the tongue feel very awkward. But guess what? The second I said it, it was over. 
it was done. It was out of the closet. It was out of the shame. It lost its power. And I knew I belonged. I knew who I was. Because even though I was walking in the identity of Christ, there were these moments that he would be like, nope, you don't belong. You got to hide. You don't have to hide. And no part of your story has to hide. Because again, Revelation 12, 11, we overcome because of the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. And when we hold on, these are the moments I'm speaking to you like I would want somebody to speak to me. My friend Kelly that's here, we always called it fire hose moments. Like if you're not, like if you're being dumb, I'm going to like hose you down with a fire hose. Like you can't miss it. So I'm, the, the thing I needed to hear in those moments was to let somebody in. James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another, pray for each other so that you may be healed. I don't know about you, but I like equations when it makes things simple. <laughs> so I'm like, confess, pray, healed. Sounds good. <laughs> I can do that because I want healing. And the enemy loves to keep you in the dark and make you think healing is impossible. You're hopeless. Nobody will understand. But it's like, no, no, no. I can just confess to my sister, to my, to my pastor, to my leader, to my mentor. I can call somebody at 1 a.m. if I have to. My 1 a.m. mentor ends up being my mother-in-law now. <laughs> sounds sticky right but it's not because I'm a daughter of God and she is too (laughs) and we get to do this thing together and the second part of James 5 16 that sometimes we separate is the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective so you got to find that righteous person that you can confess and pray with because sometimes we like to tell our friends like hey I messed up oh no worries me too we'll get better next time right? This is fire hose moments, ladies. (laughs) Stepping on some toes. But it's like, no, no, no. I need to find the people that are going to tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. I need sisters that are going to say, you are better than that. The Lord has a purpose and a call on your life, and this is below you. This is not who you are. You can bring that into the light and watch shame fall. So I'm so excited because this is the song that took me to another place today of chains breaking, fear bowing, shame going to hell. I love that they wrote that in a song so we can say it all the time. (laughs) I say it all the time. I'm like, yes, shame can go to hell. It can because that's where it belongs. It doesn't belong in your life because you belong to the Father. You belong to the King of Kings, the Lord of the Lords. You are a co-heir in Christ. Actually, as we end, I'm going to read these declarations over you. Because I want to make sure, I, when we were praying back in the downstairs area, I don't know what that's called. We were praying, and I had this picture of a dead space. I don't even know if that's, if that's what it's called. But you know in movies sometimes where, like, there's some weird contraption that makes, like, all cell phone usage stop? Does anybody know what that's called? Is it dead space? I'm going to call it dead space. I had this vision of, like, dead space in this room tonight so none of you can hear the lies of the enemy right now. And so, Lord, we declare that right now the lies of the enemy would be silenced. The voices of the habitual lies and labels that have been put on us and placed on us would be silenced in this moment so that chains can break, so that fear can bow, so that shame can go to hell because you are silenced and that we would only hear the declaration in the words of our Father. So you are free from the law of sin and death. You are not your past. You are a new creature in Christ. 
You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You are a joint heir with Christ. You are part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are the light of the world. You are called of God to be the voice of his praise. You can do all things through Christ Jesus. You will not compare yourselves with each other because you are an original. You are holy and without blame. You are God's workmanship. You are a spirit being alive to God. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are forgiven and all of your sins are washed in the blood. You are delivered from the power of darkness and translated into God's kingdom. You have power over all of the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. You have the greater one living in you because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You are of the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You are greatly loved by God. You are not afraid because you are far from oppression and fear does not come near you. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. You have the mind of Christ. You have the joy of the Lord as your strength. He is the lifter of your head. You have no lack because he supplies all of your needs. You are firmly rooted, built up, and established in faith. You are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. I want to make sure that we have just like completely kicked out all of the lies, heard the truth. And here's what I want to do, because obviously we want you to come and we want you to have this moment where shame can be broken. But before we move, I want to ask each of you in this room to close your eyes for a moment. Because here's what I believe is just as I could be called out of a crowd and just as that woman could be met at that well, like I want to be that kind of woman who hears from the Lord does not allow shame to reign, but says, I am fully seen and fully known and fully loved. And so I want you to have a moment with your eyes closed where you just take that thing. If you have a thing in the closet or if you have something that is just stopping you from belonging and believing that you would take it before the Lord and you would have eye to eye, gaze to gaze with Jesus right now and that you would hear from heaven because he can do that in your seat right now. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Project Sisterhood. If you want to find out more about how you can get involved with Project Sisterhood, follow us on Instagram at Project Sisterhood or join our Facebook group under Project Sisterhood SAC. You'll also want to find out more about our annual Empowering Women's Conference, Fashioned, this year on April 5th and 6th. Grab your tickets for this life-changing event by visiting projectchurch.com fashioned.